So we're seeing patterns of behavior from the administration and for that matter, the Department of Justice and this, these new mantras that just we have to speak about because it, it's such a, it, it's so prevalent everywhere around us, Ari, that I, I, we should dedicate at least one podcast like this to this very important subject. What I'm talking about is this new trend that you're seeing, and I played this on my Sunday show, this new trend where every Democrat running or commenting, for that matter, on the elections for the midterms or otherwise, it's all about saving democracy. Have you heard this? So uh, whenever they're trying to take on the Republican candidate who they're running against, they have to say, well, you know, Billy Bob, uh, Democrat, uh, he's interested in preserving democracy while his opponent, Ted Cruz or whoever, uh, they are seeking to undermine democracy and we need to save democracy as we know it. They don't give examples, but that's nothing new uh, among the Democrats. They just say that there's uh, democracy itself is, a, is at stake. While at the same time, they are engaging these bizarre investigations for one thing and then attacks upon the, um, uh, upon the former administration um, over and over again. So you had the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which of course we discussed before, uh, and how bizarre that was. Then we had this Letitia James, New York Attorney General, who pursues a criminal investigation, no, civil investigation, but refers a criminal investigation to the DOJ uh, against Trump for his alleged nefarious dealings uh, when it comes to his real uh, former real estate dealings and that he lied somehow and inflated his, his uh, real estate values for the purpose of securing a better deals with his lenders. I, I, I don't need to get into the details of that because it, it's all garbage uh, for many reasons I've already mentioned uh, on the air. Uh, there, there's really no basis to it. Suffice it to say there's no basis to it. But more important is this attack, not just upon Donald Trump, but upon others as well, including this pro-life, uh, I guess, pastor who uh, was surrounded, uh, his whole home was surrounded. Uh, why? Raided. Raided and raided. Uh, and in, in the pre-dawn and everything else. And there were seven kids and they're all being woken up and everything else. And then... And then Terrible things started happening where, uh, it, sorry, not terrible things started happening. I mean, they, they arrested him. What was the charge against him? Um, apparently that he did, his pro-abortion stance was ultimately the reason why. But he also... anti-abortion. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Anti-abortion stance. And uh, yeah, it's early in the morning here at the Lurie podcast. Uh, so... He apparently, according to them, blocked the way of some sort of abortion activist. And when he got too close to the pastor, the pastor pushed him away. And that was enough to, of course, invoke the entire SWAT team of the United States to surround his house eight and terrify. Oh, yes, that's right. Eight months after the incident. The and after the judge who heard the case of the guy who allegedly was assaulted threw the case out for you know because it lacked merit but no 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 that this is this is the time we got to do it so what's what's going on here i mean you know aside from the obvious what is going on right i mean we, we, you, you, the first obvious thing you can think of well it's close to the election how how is it that this could look good for anybody uh, among the democrats at least to uh, surround this guy and and to go after him. I mean, maybe maybe if they 
hijack all of the talking points, I suppose that's something, then uh, they would have an argument and then they would say, okay, this pro they, could, they could paint them out to be some horrific monster, I suppose, and, and then they win. But uh, what's going to play out with the uh, Donald Trump investigations, for example? Is, it, is this going to, I mean, it's going to be thrown out, the Letitia James New York lawsuit. They, they, they claim to have something, but they don't. Uh, so, and the banks never got involved at all. They, they did their own due diligence, thank you very much. And so she has no standing. It's, it's another issue. It's going to get thrown out. But I suppose the Democrats, uh, they need some sort of fodder to go against the Trump-endorsed candidates that they are now running against, right? I mean, I think it's like 95%, it seems, I'm not saying that's right, but it seems like 95% of the congressmen and women that are running uh, as Republicans are Trump-supported, <laughs> and likewise with the senators. So what better way to fight against these Trump-endorsed congressmen and senators than by tagging them along with Trump, you know, the guy who is probably going to go to jail, you know. So this is their talking point, I suppose. What do you think? Um, okay, in normal political discourse, what you have is the people running for office on, in one way or another are trying to get their own base to turn out and appeal to certain people on the other side. Right. By doing these actions, what is absolutely clear from just political strategy, forget the right and wrong of it, is that the Biden administration, the, the Democrat Biden machine, political machine, does not care at all about getting even one Republican vote, save for the people, those few people who support like Liz Cheney or something like that. This is an absolute sacrifice of anyone on the other side who could possibly come and vote for them. What it tells me is this. They are in such a dire political strait, they are simply trying to hold on to blue upon blue districts. People like, places like West LA, Upper West Side of New York, you know, Chicago, those kind of places. Just saying keeping their base. By keeping their base inflamed. Now, the reason for that is because they have done such a terrible job appealing to where the body politic of the Democrat base is that they need to inflame their emotions with irrationality in the hope that they can motivate them to turn out and thus have enough uh, juice so they can sway the, the final margins of the elections through some sort of fraud. Okay. Yes, there's fraud, but I'm not fully finished with that. I just want to dive a little deeper into this because it's such a unique situation. We're no longer in the Bill Clinton era of triangulation or moderation. We're no longer in the area of um, the supposed perceived competence and coolness under fire of a Barack Obama. You know, we talked for years perceived. during the Obama years about yeah. Uh, how this guy's an incompetent boob, but he is, he's an excellent president at doing the job of, per, of creating perceived competence yeah. with collusion of the he media. He projects well. Right. In the case of Biden, you do not have this. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a disaster. His second in charge, the you know, heir to be apparent, is literally like storylines from the HBO show, HBO show Veep. She, her, her blunders are hysterically funny, tragically disastrous and just nonsensical. She goes to North Korea this week and calls North Korea our our democratic ally because she doesn't understand that the DPRK, 
Democrat peoples of North Korea is the enemy. That it has <laughs> she, she actually Demo takes them at their word. Right. In the title. It's called it's like think the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics is a republic. <laughs> it's just whoa. So they've got a big, big problem. Yeah. And the only way they have even a scintilla of a chance of holding on to power is by getting people to show up to vote for them. And I want to talk just for a minute more about this dynamic because I've, I've mentioned before in passing, but I think it's, it's worth revisiting perspective-wise just to fully understand this. The body politic of the Democrat Party base, their voters, are generally Bernie and Elizabeth Warren mentality people. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. With the general talking points of... Uh, millionaires and billionaires are bad. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's, you didn't build that. Or, you know, the like kind of policies. And for some strange reason, and I believe that strange reason is that there is a God and it's the God of the Bible and that God of the Bible has an incredible sense of humor. For some reason, the Democrat Party wound up with their standard bearer being two of the most corrupt establishment politicians ever, with the current president being the number one recipient of lobbyist dollars from the banking industry, the corporate industry, and the chemical industry. That's right. Delaware is where DuPont and Dow Chemicals and Union Carbide is. So you have this ironic twist of fate in which the Democrat Party's base has the absolute wrong people possible to appeal to their excitement in power. Now, it worked once as a, I don't like Donald Trump's tweets uh, mentality election of 2020, but after three years of catastrophic lifestyle alterations to a new normal or a <clears throat> fundamental transformation that very, very few people in the Democrat Party actually enjoy as voters, this party's only strategic path forward, and it does make logical sense when you lens it from that perspective, is to create a bifurcated justice system in which the conservative citizen is under essentially threat of gulag and lives in fear so that the Democrat pace can be seen, hey, look, we're locking okay. up your enemies. All right, that's See, fine. See, I told you I'd finish. Well, yeah, so, someday you would finish. <laughs> uh, by the way, I think you meant two years, not three years, because it's only been two years of well, his well, presidency. Well, I'm talking about... Whatever, whatever. That's, it's, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't matter. the COVID 2020 yeah, year yeah, okay, whatever. As, as part and parcel of these policies. Okay, I, I can't. Is, I can't agree to that. I mean, Trump, Trump was, was president at the time. So anyway, look... Uh, I, I think you could make some good points there. Yeah. And, and they, just to clarify, I'm referring to the life of the Democrat voter in the blue states under the COVID policies yes. of those governors and yeah, mayors. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Um, so you, you talk well about the fact that, I mean, I think you explain it well, that they've got no other choice, essentially, than to pursue this talking point of, you know, we're fighting for democracy. Anyway, uh, uh, and, and, and the Republicans are the enemy of the people. This is a very novel thing that I don't think has ever happened in American politics in the past where the Democrats and it wouldn't, or, or the Republicans, for that matter, uh, portrayed the other side as demonic uh, and that needed to be weeded out altogether because they themselves have now become uh, some sort of fascist party, some sort of communist party, whatever, what have you. Uh, this is the, really the first time that I'm hearing this, uh, and I've lived on the planet for a decent amount of time. So it's, it's disturbing. Um, it's a, 
Uh, on the other hand, it may very well be just a last gasp. They have nothing else. So they, they have to demonize the Republicans as they have. So in the, in the past, during, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, and then, of course, three year ago, years ago, even during the Trump administration, they would talk about uh, the Proud Boys, for example. They would talk about, uh, of course, January 6th. Uh, and uh, or QAnon. And do you Republicans support this? Uh, do you support what this particular Republican said or did? Uh, and that was kind of their thing. And, yeah, Charlottesville. And, yeah, Charlottesville is a good example. And that was it. But that apparently didn't work. So now, instead of talking to one group and, and ask you, you know, do, do the Republicans support this? Are they, what do they call it, the, alt, the alt-right and things like that? Instead of that, they just say, you know what, all of you Republicans are fascists. Period. End of story. And we... We Democrats are saving democracy. After all, the word Democrat has kind of the word democracy in it, right? I mean, it only makes sense. And their base of voters are so stupid and uneducated, there is a chance that a lot of them will conclude that. Oh, yeah. A lot of their base think that uh, Abraham Lincoln was the first Democrat. Not just a Democrat, (laughs) but the first Democrat. And uh, they think our our country is a democracy and not a... Constitutional Republic. So what do you think the the future of this? I I think, I mean, you you brought in an interesting point, Ari, about how they ended up with Biden, of all people, and it could have, well, just have been a Bernie Sanders, too. Either way, uh, there were disastrous uh, consequences to choosing either of them. The policies would have been the same. The the policies, of course, would have been the same. But, uh, you know, now... I'm wondering if, because you invoked God on this, and I, I, I always like to invoke God as well. I wonder if, if God himself had a hand in making sure that Biden was president so that we could, as if it wasn't clear enough to us yet, this is what the Democrats are all about. This is what leftism is all about. And look how dangerous it is. So, so that when you get Trump back, God willing, in 2024... Uh, you'll uh, really appreciate him, right? I mean, it's it's like the the woman who divorces her husband because she thinks that he's not you know supportive enough or whatever. When in fact he's really fantastic to her, supports her all the way. Just he can't give her I don't know every mansion that she wants in every state that she wants to go visit, uh, in every country she wants to go visit, and has all the jewelry that she possibly could want. And then she gets instead a, a new guy who is just. A philanderer, I just an awful to her, beats her, uh, it, you know, doesn't buy her anything, doesn't treat her nicely or anything else. She'll, she says, you know what, that first husband, I kind of like him. I think I'm going to back and remarry him. And I think, God willing, that would be just awesome. If, if Trump came back that way, uh, the country would be so appreciative of just, it. Just, you know, really fast. That analogy doesn't fully hold because in the analogy you said, rather than the woman going back to the husband, no, no, no. In that, I just want to go to that analogy because it's a great analogy. In that analogy, I think it's a fantastic analogy. In that analogy, you're hoping that that man has gotten rid of that gold digging hoe, is married to a really nice girl who's even more beautiful and thinner, and appreciates him more, and has understands how hard he works for that money, and doesn't spend both of them into the poorhouse. Wait, are you saying I'm fat? <clears throat> You're big boned. <laughs> uh, I'm actually pretty. Hey, listen. If 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 anyone were to see the the two of us, Ari, I don't think they'd call me the big boned one. I have the dad bod. Yes, yeah, that I'm, that, I'm, you, that you do. I'm stocky, charming, and thick everywhere. Did I say it's everywhere? 
All right. So moving on to a slightly different topic about that. I, I do think that uh, the whole approach of the woman being, you know, that he would dump the woman. But the, the problem is that, you know, the analogy here that I'm making is that the woman is, is the American people. Yeah, let's leave the analogy aside and say, yes, we want Trump to take us back. When exactly right. Turn yeah. Now I want him to just go to go. No, no, no. I'm going to lead a country that appreciates me. I'm right. going to take my talents over here. You know? Well, the thing is that his country is America, and that is the woman that he married, and and he and the that woman rejected him, and now I think they'll they'll accept him again and with great appreciation. That would be fantastic. That would be delivering the clarity. No, no, no. So, oh, would you let me talk, Ari? Just a second. Ari, Ari. All right, all right. All right, that's enough. Okay, fine. So, okay, all right, I'll let you go on with your soliloquy. I'm going to speak a little bit now. Because it, as it turns out, it's a Barack Lurie podcast. Really? Yes. Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> Apparently, Ari doesn't know it. He thinks it's, he thinks it's his. It's very cute. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the... So the life of, of this situation is very interesting because uh, I, I do think there will be a stark contrast at the end of the day. And we get to campaign on that stark, uh, stark contrast in 24. Uh, and even now, I mean, most of the, the congressmen and women running will say, look, you, you wanted uh, this Biden guy. You wanted his policies, at least. And you got it. And look where we are. I mean, are, are you happier now? No, of course not. You can't possibly be. The economy sucks. The interest rates are way out of control. The inflation is way out of control as well. Uh, unemployment is, is uh, very questionable now. The economy itself generally is, is very bad. Crime is up. Uh, illegal immigration is up. All these things, homelessness, are, are up. And it's dangerous to be in America, in many big cities for sure, and many states for that matter as well. So they have an, the Republicans really have it easy if they just focus on the economy. Now, I think the winning Republican, who is uh, even in a close race with the Democrat, he needs to really stress that point. That's all he has to do. The Democrat, by contrast, knowing that he can't possibly win on the unemployment, the immigration, the interest rates, inflation, everything else. Crime. Crime, of course. Uh, he, ha he can only argue somehow that America itself is under attack, which is exactly what we're seeing. Uh, but it's it's the... What's the expression? It's the uh, motto of the damned. That's what it is. That, that they're advancing the motto of the damned. And, and you're seeing it everywhere. I played this uh, series. I, I just collected a bunch of, of them where people were saying our democracy is at stake. We're, gonna, we're all going to be, uh, you know, running with, uh, you know, without, um, without democracy anymore. We're, we're entering into a dangerous territory of fascism. And uh, you must vote for Democrat candidate X if you want to preserve your democracy. You know, in the old days, sorry, it's, it simply was, you know, if you want to preserve your right to an abortion, you have to vote for candidate X, right? Now, they're, they're going all the way. Forget about the abortion thing, uh, which you think they would run on a little bit more. No, no, it's, it's democracy itself. Everything about this country is about to go bye-bye. The fascists are about to take over. You know, the, the ones who want limited government, the ones who want less power in Washington. The ones who are threatening to cut your taxes and not censor the internet. Yeah, those, those bastards. Fascists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pickle jinx. And, so, and, and, and you know that this is the talking point because when the Italians just voted in their new prime minister, apparently a, a great a conservative uh, voice, uh, as well as the new English uh, prime minister. I'm, I'm pretty excited about her, but we'll see. Liz Truss, I think her name is. Anyway, um, I'm hopeful. I'm allowed to be hopeful about it. Uh, Ari is making a face, uh, but, you know, I don't care about his faces. 
you know, you don't want to see his face anyway. There's a reason why we have Ari only on podcast. Good voice, good thoughts, good, you know, good analysis, but you don't want to see the face. All right? I'm just, just saying that right now. So Liz Truss and this new Italian uh, prime minister, I'm very excited about both of them. But the way that they responded, um, and particularly, I think it was, uh, it was Biden and a lot of commentators on MSNBC, CNN, and so on, they're saying that this is just uh, this is a terrible tragedy. And, you know, um, it, it, Italy has already experienced uh, fascism before, and they apparently need them some, some fascism again. You know, <laughs> never mind, of course, that fascism is actually a leftist concept, right? I mean, fascism basically says the government will invoke all sorts of private enterprise for the sake of nationalism and use nationalism, and we're going to take over everything, uh, and it's going to be authoritarian in every sense. And so uh, that's fascism, right? Yeah. But that's not, that's not what republicanism is or conservatism is. It's exactly the opposite of all those things. And it's, uh, fascism is like communism, socialism, based on the Marxist dialectics. It's so, all exactly the same thing. So, fascism and, you know, and, and com- communism is, in fact, the exact same thing. The only difference, and it's not a difference with significance, the only difference is that communism based itself, rooted itself on the working class versus, you know, the, the, the stratification of workers versus uh, elites versus, uh, you know, the owners of businesses. And fascists um, rooted themselves in nationalism. That's exactly what happened. Mussolini saw that it was far more effective to um, appeal to nationalism than it was to the, your, your, your class as a worker. And that's the only reason why right. he adopted but it. He was a communist, by the way, yeah. before he was a fascist. Of but, but the way you know that the fascist, that the media is calling a fascist isn't a fascist, is if they talk about God, Christianity, family, and free enterprise, and low taxes. Once Giorgio Maloney of Italy started talking about cutting taxes, that ain't fascism. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. When, when they, she talks about freedom, that means that there's no fascism involved. Right. And, and it's so funny. They talked about Donald Trump as a fascist. And, uh, with no but, evidence. Right. Yeah. With, with, of course, no evidence whatsoever. And, but wait a minute. If he was a fascist, he was a pretty ineffective one. Because, where, when did he activate the National Guard to take over the Senate and take over the Congress and everything else to prevent the election from happening because, well, when did he declare emergency powers? I mean, all these things are things that you would expect of a fascist, but at no point did he invoke that. And on the contrary, the the Congress made sure that there was no preservation of of law and order during the January 6th capital uh, great trespass, as I call it. Uh, so it, nothing of that sort happened the cops whatsoever. Just wave them in, and, and they wave and, them in, and, and then they used. And it, it's the Democrats, of course, using the cops and the feds and the FBI right. uh, to do the things we discussed earlier on right, in the but show. I want to make a real important, very fast point. I promise this will be fast. Donald Trump is such a bad fascist. I mean, bad is in incompetent at being fascist yeah. that he forgot to tell his fascist brown shirt hordes wearing Trump gear on January sixth to bring their weapons. They just forgot, yeah. you know. I'm not, you know, he, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna destroy democracy. Uh, he, don't bring yeah. your stuff. You he know? clearly did not read Mein Kampf very well. Right. You know, he, he must have skimmed it at best. Yeah, he even forgot all those lessons in Mao's little red book, little green book, little black book. I mean, you know, 
He didn't read, you know, Marx, Hitler. Yeah, I suppose he was too busy inflating his real estate values, you know, for the sake of getting these uh, better termed uh, loans from the banks, right? Yeah. Then he wound up paying back in full with interest. I I don't know how he, you know. What a fascist. What a fascist. Ah, bastard. Bastardo, as the Italians would say, right? So I think think that's Italian. Anyway, uh, but these are the talking points you'll see from the left. And... And, and, you know, I'm always interested in the impact that uh, any particular event or talking point might have on the average voter. Because at this point, we're seeing this new, you know, democracy is under attack. I, I, I'm really wondering whether people buy this. Even, even the simplistic Democrat that you're talking about. Uh, I'm not talking about the people on MSNBC who want to advance it. They think they're doing it. They, they, they think people are listening to it. I just don't know that people are buying it. Um, I don't hear people on the street when they're being interviewed saying that, yeah, I feel like democracy is under attack. You know, even MSNBC or CNN, they're not, you know, pulling these interviews out uh, from from the common man sort of interviews and saying, look, you know, people are thinking that uh, democracy is under a real threat here. I I just, you know, what do we got to do? So if that's not the case, if they can't even pull one man, uh, one woman out of the street to, to seriously think that I'm really worried about this country, we're going to lose our democracy if we don't vote the Democrats back in. If they can't get that, I, I have a feeling that the, the base is not thinking along the lines that they want them to think. Well, they, they have two problems that line up with it. First, what you just said is they can't find the common man. That's why they always find some elitist like Akeisha Lance Bottoms right. spokeshole to go on and talk, not a normal person. The um, second thing that, that you elucidate to or, or refer to is is so clearly articulated by the Russell Brands, who's not a U.S. citizen, yeah. but the Naomi Wolfs, the Bill Mars. The classic Democrat-based people who want an active government while preserving civil liberties who see this as a perversion of all that. They, they hate the vaccine mandate. They hate the, the mask mandate, the, the creeping fascist tyranny that they see from the, threat, the actual threat to democracy, which is the Democrat Party and rightly from their perspective, and I agree with them, the establishment Republican or bifusion uh, in, in power party. You know, the, the people that Michael Walsh, the great writer from, uh, you know, uh, the conservative side always points to, you know, the, the people... When you see a Mitch McConnell in total coll- and Mitt Romney in total collusion with Nancy Pelosi, something stinks in Denmark. Oh, absolutely right. When they're working together, something is bad. Right. So uh, then, then you know, you, you know, it's just like you can say you can always tell, you know, when a politician is is lying is is when his lips are moving, right? So likewise, when Mitt Romney is is working in collusion with um, Pelosi, you know something bad is happening. This is not something that you want to advance. I, I always am right. suspect. It's not bipartisanship. I, I'm always know? suspect when. Um, I see the Republicans joining forces with the Democrats in any shape or form these days. I'm not talking about in the past, these days. That, that's a disturbing thing. You raised an interesting point about um, the dictatorial kind of creep that's going on. And part of that is the transgender woke, wokeism going on. And most of it is, is on the transgender side, that you will use these pronouns, that you will allow us to take over the education of your children. Um, this goes into the parental guidance issue and the authority and why Youngkin won in Virginia and otherwise. But I think, you know, I guess that's another question I have, maybe for you too, Ari, is, is what do you think, because uh, I, th- I think powerfully that, the transgender stuff is so disturbing 
to most parents and to most sensible people, even if they don't have kids, uh, that they sense that as part of the dic- dictatorial creep. Um, the same way that we talked about um, what's happening with the, um, the fascist raids on Mar-a-Lago and this new attack on, on Trump and, of course, what we're seeing in the, um, the anti-abortion community. These are the things that are all happening at the same time. And there's, it, it's the classic thing that, um, what's his name, the, the rules for radical, Saul Alinsky, he said, and, and one of the number one rules uh, that he had to offer was that whatever you're doing, accuse the other side of doing. Right, right? that's the threat to democracy. That's the simplest point. Yeah. But the, the bigger issues here is a general move entirely to transhumanistic uh, social credit store and liberty-destroying activity. Yeah. Um, the vaccine mandate, uh, you'll lose your body autonomy. Uh, transgenderism, you, we will confuse boy and girl in the earliest stages of childhood and create absolute chaos in the minds of our youth to then, as they grow up into the chaotic years of teenagers, um, they become completely lost and they become even more chaotic. It's all about chaos and throwing out the old orders. And I mean, uh, this... It may sound off topic from that, but look at like the activity. Why why stop now? You're you're always off topic. Of the transportation secretary, right? This reimagining of fuels for our vehicles. Just a side note. uh, We recently had a hurricane in Florida, right? Imagine what it would have been like for the residents if they were ordered to evacuate in electric cars. Imagine how – oh, you know how many people have been – Killed. No, I, I, I totally. I, so, I, but let's so move on to your the, other the, point. The, tra- the, the transportation secretary is currently talking about, and they actually started doing this in Detroit recently. It's coming to a city near us, uh, removing freeways because they were built without the right racial lenses. Now, on the surface, from as as a Democrat, this is the greatest thing ever. It's a make work project. Uh, you know, it's that old thing. Hey, let's take out a freeway, and then our union people can rebuild it. Right? Only. Reimagined, right? Like a rainbow. Uh, but in, in truth is it creates massive amounts of chaos and it changes the way we are able to live. And the transgenderism, uh, the what they're doing to the economy, what they're doing to food, all of this stuff is to launch a brave new world kind of 21st century man that is completely in synchronicity with what the government, government wants them to be. No longer do you, you have independent... Uh, thinking, you know, rugged individualism based individuals, you. They want to get rid of that concept. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you made a good point there. Uh, one of the things, you know, why now this, this kind of concept that, that democracy is, is under a threat? We're going to lose our democracy if we continue on with the Republicans. It's so absurd. The, the concept is so absurd. But maybe from their vantage point, their perspective, maybe they don't think it's so absurd. And here's why they, they got. They went so far as to sucker the people with the whole COVID crisis, right? They're telling them that on the one hand, they have to stay at home. On the other hand, if, it's, uh, if you want to protest racism, well, then by all means, go out in the street and, and the virus will know better not to, not to attack you. And then the restaurant protocol and everything else. And then as if that wasn't enough of an indication of how sheep the, the, the people, the very many people were, uh, then the vaccine comes along and they tell you that everything is great uh, and it's wonderful, despite the fact that we now know that the vaccine seems to cause a lot more harm than good. And at the very least, it's very ineffective. And everyone knows it. It's all garbage. But at the same time, enough people still kind of kept pushing it. And they, they're still pushing it to this day. So, so then it's so if they could get those if they could get the majority of people, or at least the Democrats, to believe this crap, 
then why wouldn't they believe that democracy is under threat, right? Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't they? That's exactly what they're doing. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I, you know, we make a lot of predictions on the Brock Letter podcast, both Ari and I do. Uh, one of the predictions uh, that we have, and it's, I think it's coming closer than ever before, is that the schools will soon be teaching and advocating <clears throat> uh, engaging in homosexual sex um, so under the theory that you don't know what you like until you've tried it, right? And, and you'll see this. It's, it's one thing to, to start, you know, advocating for the rights of gays and to even have a gay pride month. You know, we can quibble about that all day long we, when we have. Uh, and gay marriage and things like that, whether gays should be able to adopt children and whether that's good for the children and so on like that. Okay, fine. But now, because they, they never end, they will be pushing the trying of homosexuality. How do you know that you are a cisgender, my friend? How do you know that you're not bisexual? How do you know that you're not homosexual? How do you know that you don't like, uh, you know, thruples or quadruples? How do you know you don't want to eat bugs until you taste them, right? Same yeah, thing. Good point. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know, this ever-creeping fascism, really, there's, there's nothing, there's no other word for it, this, this demand, because... How did you say it's um, it's it's a ban and demand? That's what it was, and and that is it's either you ban what you don't like or you you're demanding what you do like, what yeah, you insist ban on. Gasoline, you will drive electric. Exactly. So it, and it's never it's always binary in that sense. They are binary. These people, right? Uh, it's just banning and demanding, nothing else. There's there's always a right answer and there's always a wrong answer. There is no gray when it comes to the left. But here we are with a democracy mantra, right? The, the, the democracy is under threat. And I think, sadly, that people will buy it. Now, I'd, they, they've really pushed it really far. I don't, maybe they've gone too far with this because, as we said, they haven't been able to find a man on the street who seems to agree with them. Uh, they seem to understand that they still have the right to vote. Uh, and why would they say that there's, uh, democracy is under threat while they're still allowed to vote? you know, for this or that Republican. Whenever a Republican wins, they declare that democracy has, has failed them somehow. Well, in other words, it only succeeds, uh, as Michelle Obama seemed to think, when their man gets into the White House or their man gets into Congress or the Senate. Then democracy is not imperiled. Yes, it's, it's all good, right? <laughs> but that's the very essence of democracy, is that you, you sometimes lose you sometimes have to deal with a president or a congressman or senate senator that, that you don't like, that you didn't want. Uh, That's me, it. Let me correct you. No. In democracy, they never lose because democracy is tyrannical majoritarianism. Do you understand? So the yes, I understand. I, I, I know. I, it, it, it's I'm, like, I'm speaking colloquially. I'm, I'm talking about in, Constitution, in Constitution Republic versus Republic. democracy. Yeah, I get it. Lose. I now, get it. Uh, just a couple points really fast, though. Uh, you said um, you can't remember when this stuff was tried, tried before in America. I remember two incidences where it was, and they're terrifying. The first is Woodrow Wilson leading up to World War One. The second is... Uh, just after the beginning of World War II, Manzanar and the internment of the Japanese and Germans were interned under FDR. So the two greatest fascist dictator presidents we've had in. Oh no, I, 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 I no, I, I don't quibble you with you on those those facts. Right, and but, we act. Hold on, we acted 
we, I mean, Americans acted fascistically when it came to the, those certain, and I'll go, I'll take it a step further with eugenics, right? I mean, they, right. horrible things happened. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, pumping uh, LSD into the black male community as well to see the effects of that. Uh, terrible things happened. Yeah. I, but, but no, what I said, Ari, is not that. I said, not that there weren't fascistic things that happened in America. Uh, I'm saying where they, they campaign entirely on demonizing the other political party. Well, that's my point. I think on, with and Romero wasn't there, but I, from many historical accounts I read about Woodrow Wilson specifically, he was. Um, now, this is the point I want to make that I think is so sinister. Uh, there's two predictions that we've made. One of them has come true recently. The other, I believe, will come true very soon. Your prediction of war and my prediction that someday uh, pedophilia would be declared a, another orientation. Well, we reached that. This week, uh, legitimate leaders in government in Spain declared a pedophilia is a orientation. Yes, the secretary, their secretary of education right. said that. Now, yeah. the one you predicted, and this I think is even worse, is you said, I think a few years ago, but we've talked about it before, and I give you enormous credit for seeing this, is that we're inevitably heading to a war that our children will be involved in. Well, I think we're on the doorstep of that sooner than we even can believe, and it'll come even faster than I think. I think as early as this October. And what I think is happening is I think the democratization, uh, sorry, the demonization body politic strategies you're seeing are not so much for the election. They're to create the support for uh, an all-out war with Russia that is we're on the doorstep of. And I, I think that's the war you could see coming. I'm taking a step farther and putting a specific place on it because it looks like this was all a concerted effort going back to 2016 to create this anti-Russian narratives in the body politic of large amounts of the American people so that war would be an accepted thing at a certain point. And I'm afraid it's going to involve a draft. Okay, so you, you might very well be right, uh, but boy, the Democrats would really take it in the shorts if they uh, they, they were responsible for pursuing such a war. Uh, having ha having uh, pulled out of Afghanistan in such a disastrous way uh, and having done so because they reject the premise of uh, occupying in any shape or form or otherwise engaging in regime change. So I, I do think war, you know, sadly is, is on our doorstep. I don't know whether it's going to be against Russia or if it's going to be a civil war of some kind uh, between and among the political parties, who knows? Uh, I don't know what it would look like. Um, I do know, however, a, a, um, a recent poll, I think it was 43 percent, uh, some legitimate polls, and they were very close to each other, found that 43 percent of the American population, of, of all political parties, uh, found, this is on average, uh, believed that there would be a war in the next few years, uh, if not sooner, uh, among the political parties. Again, I don't know what that would look like. I, I mean, like, I was referring to internal civil war. I know that's what that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I, but I am talking yeah. about that. And and this the internal civil war, prospectively, you know, in, intuitively there's a sense of it. Like, okay, well, maybe there will be a violent war. God forbid. By the way, of course, uh, I'm not advocating for it whatsoever. I, I just I don't even know what it would look like. Let's say somehow there was a declaration of war. Okay, I, I don't. I, how would this look like? I mean, would, would you say, okay, all those of you who could consider yourself conservatives, you know, come meet us at such and such on the corner of Main Street and whatever, and uh, we'll start talking. And, uh, and then we'll bunker down in, in this area and, and the, the left will bunker down in their areas and, and we'll have at it. You know, I, I just, 
I don't see, I don't know what it would look like. In the Civil War, I, I understand it. I mean, people, it was a geographical war. There was the North and there was the South. And they had very strong different ideologies and different ways of comporting themselves. They hated each other in addition to all that. But there were clear boundaries, I, uh, geographic boundaries. I don't see the geographic boundaries here. And again, I, I you know, God forbid that, that it should happen. I think there might be dramatic unrest, uh, making the George Floyd riots look like, I don't know, uh, a walk in the park, a drizzle compared to a hurricane. Uh, I, I just don't know what to say, Ari. It's, it's, uh, it's very disturbing. And, you know, you said it very well. The, the, the implementation of what, sorry, what the Democrats seem to want to implement is a, an ideology of chaos. Uh, I've always said the Democrat Party is the, is the party of chaos, but now they're doing it. They're really implementing it. They're, they're trying to make you doubt uh, whether, whether a man really is a man, uh, whether a girl really is a boy, uh, is, is a girl, uh, whether one and one is two. I mean, it's, it, forget about transgenderism for a second. We now know that math is, is supposedly racist, right? So all these things uh, are just, you're, you're supposed to doubt these things. Nothing is certain anymore. And that is their chaos theory that, that, that will make it so that you wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, I, th I think we don't have to wonder. We know because they tell you. We talked about in the era of, you know, uh, Muslim terrorism. Uh, why are we wondering about this? They tell you what they want, yeah. right? But And the same is true of these people. They are the party. You've talked about this. They're the party and the people of death. What better way to have death than to have war? They're the party of abortion. They're the party of sterilization. They're the party of mutilation. Uh, transgenderism is the way of bringing back one of their great loves, eugenics. And eugenics is the sterilization of gigantic numbers of people. What's the next step? Well, the, the mass murder of numbers of people in the Exchange with nuclear weapons somewhere. The the starvation and the freezing of people in Europe. They're they're actively turning Europe into a third world starvation wasteland like certain parts of Ethiopia during famine. That's what's going to happen this year, this winter in Germany. Yeah. Uh, the Nord Stream bombing of the pipeline, the only country that could have pulled that off for any advantage with this is the United States. I made a prediction the other day, and this is an unbelievably awful and painful thing to say. I think we're heading into the equivalent of World War II, except this time we're the Axis. We are, okay? Oh, okay. And, and no, no, don't, don't, don't. I don't know about no, that, no, Ari. Don't, don't pull off of that, because think of Whoa, 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 think, whoa. Think Hold on, Ari. I can't quite say that I think that the United States would be the Axis powers. I understand that we might be doing very much the wrong thing, but I, I just... Uh, I don't know, but go ahead. If the Axis powers are the people responsible for the massive loss of life of World War II, Holocaust, battles, everything, they're the Axis, okay? In other words, without Germany, Japan, Italy doing what they're doing, you know, 30, 40, 50 million people would that's a good, that's a good point. be alive. So if the United States is actively in the, the provocation business with NATO, et cetera, to provoke the Ukrainian war that then causes a massive starvation famine. And then is involved in the deprivation of fuels that keep Europe warm and fed and industrialized during a potentially cold winter in which millions of people starve and freeze that then kicks off a massive war that then has kinetic loss of life then we are the access based on our behavior. All right, so and, you, and, make, you make a decent point. Let, let me, let, let me ask you. About the let me ask you, Ari. America. I'm talking about the I, decisions I, in the government. I get it, I get it. 
So to, to your point, to your point, we now, I, I, I was going to say we now know, but we're not so certain about this. There, there are rumblings. There has been some evidence that there was peace offerings made to the effect that Russia would pull out of its war effort and engagement with Ukraine if Ukraine would agree not to go into NATO at any point. And, and Ukraine was ready to do that. Uh, and in fact, it wasn't in NATO up to, to any point. That, that would have been a, a face-saving uh, result for both sides and that the Biden administration said, no, uh, we're not going to support that. So if that's the case, if that is the case, then your theory definitely holds water because it means that they are trying to agitate and keep the, these two uh, you know, adversaries fighting with each other for the, uh, for the purpose of creating more, and, and more chaos than ever. Um, I also agree with you that by advancing the green energy concepts in Europe, we're going to see incredible chaos uh, this winter. Everyone knows it's coming. Um, everyone knows also that, as, as we know, as we knew when COVID hit, I, I started talking about the supply chain way before people, the supply chain problems actually started happening. I said, this is inevitable. When you start limiting people, we're not going to be able to get goods across and inflation will hit and people will be chasing. I didn't know that it was going to be toilet paper in particular, but they will be chasing this or that particular good and it'll be impossible to find certain things. And that's exactly what happened. So, uh, but they seem to, you know, at some point you could say, well, you know, they just don't learn from their mistakes, but but at some point, you realize that they want certain things to happen. And the chaos theory that you're talking about, uh, I think it definitely holds the water. Now, at the very least, again, to your point, Ari, at the very least, uh, we have, we, meaning America, has only itself to blame if these things happen and we proclaim, oh, we didn't see this coming. Then you're just an idiot. Then we're an idiot as a nation. But I, I think that the puppet masters that control Biden, uh, to a lesser extent, Biden himself, uh, they know what they're doing. They know what they want. Uh, chaos is the name of the game. Uh, doubt is their name of the game, just like doubt was the principal marketing tool of the cigarette companies in the 50s. Uh, that's what they said. Our, our main product is doubt. Remember that? Um, and that's how they succeeded uh, throughout the pulverization of the cigarette uh, sorry, the attempt to destroy the cigarette uh, industry. Uh, the same thing is is going to be true when it comes to the Democrat Party. They're sowing doubt. They're trying to create uh, a world where you don't even know who you are. You don't even have an identity, let alone a sexual identity, let alone a political identity. I guess maybe that's the only identity they'll allow is, you know, do you support the government or don't you? Which, right. which in today's appellation would be Democrat. But in the future, it'll be... You know, are you supporting the government well, or, or aren't you? Let's actually leave the Democrat. Let's that's let's, my point. Let's do an interesting thought experiment here. Let's take a page of our leftist college campus idiots and relens this slightly and go reimagine it slightly. Uh, is it really the Democrats? Is it the bipartisan fusion party? Is you know the people in charge of the Republican Party are the ones attempting to attack Trump? The Cheneys, the Bushes, the Romneys, the McConnells. These are the people making money off this. These are the people profiting along with the Democrat establishment people from the pharmaceutical industry, the defense industry, the chemical industry. Yeah. These are the people who are going to profit. That's why one of the reasons I, I bristled when you talked about this 
idiot from heading England now because she's working with Biden to resupply Germany with British and American gas. Okay. Who cares t- from their perspective if, uh, you know, a third of that population freezes to death so as long as they get our gas from us? That's evil. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. So, so, it, so it's part profiteering and it's part psycho- psychopathic philosophy. Okay. So, look, I, I, I think we agree on this. Um, one of my, and I, I think I want to leave on this point, Ari. One of my favorite storylines from the, uh, the original Star Trek franchise, that one with uh, William Shatner and such, Kirk, um, is the last movie that came out from that franchise, which is The, the Undiscovered Country. And this goes exactly into what you said, Ari. Um, this is the one where uh, there's Christopher Plummer playing the, the main evil guy from the Klingons and such. And, and the bottom line is, with, you know, spoiler alert, um, they have this effort to try to create this peace treaty between the Federation on the one hand and the Klingons on the other, and everything's going to be great, and it looks like it's going to work, except that uh, it turns out there are operatives fr- within the, both sides who are seeking, and they're working together to keep the war going. Because Profit. it profits them, and it, it, exp- it, it gives them the raison d'etre of, of continuing on. And it's, it's all discovered. You know, they all figure it out. At the end of the day, the good guys win, bad guys lose. Uh, all the bad guys get arrested. Uh, but I, that's what you're saying, essentially. You're saying, and I, and I agree with you, that there are many people who will be Profiteering is too strong a word. It's to their advantage to work together, including some Republicans uh, with the Democrats, such that, what do you call it, bifusion? Bipartisan fusion. Bipartisan fusion establishment. Yeah, they they need to work together so that they can keep this this engine going that feeds them one way or the other and and gives them the raison d'etre that they desperately need. So... You know, the, the best thing that could happen is uh, that we get ourselves Trump again, uh, that we get back to what America was originally intended to be, to be this uh, shining light this uh, on the hill, the city on the hill, and to be a beacon of freedom and to spread liberty as it has in the past. But it's not acceptable to too many Americans, too many among the Democrats and those who would otherwise be beguiled by the Democrats. That's, that's our problem. We need to have these people wake up. They need to see reality, and I, I hope they do. Um, notwithstanding what happened with COVID, notwithstanding what happened with the vaccine, and notwithstanding with this new push to say that democracy itself is under threat while they themselves are destroying democracy, I, I just pray. I pray that we, we all open our eyes to see the reality of, of these parties working together to do very evil things, to sow discord, and to create an age of uncertainty, which will indeed only lead to horrible conflict and, yes, possibly a horrible war. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.